0: Hello everyone, I'm Susanna Bishop, I am the Chief Experience Officer for Fed Square and today in our Anything But Square podcast we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Dr. Sandra DeMile. Dr. Sandra DeMaio is a medical doctor and globally renowned public health expert and advocate. Besides his role as Vic Health CEO, Dr. DeMaio also co hosts the ABC television show Ask the Doctor, an innovative and exploratory factual medical series broadcasting across Australia and around the world. What a pleasure and what an amazing thing to have you as part of um, our podcast. Can I start by asking you? to maybe tell us a little bit more about the foundation, the Central De Mayo Foundation, including the inspiration that you had to create it.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Susie. Um, I, uh, I was living overseas in 2018. I was working with the World Health Organization in Geneva and lucky enough to be invited uh, to do a couple of things here back in Australia. Um, the first was to launch a book, The Doctor's Diet, which is really trying to make uh, easy everyday fresh healthy cooking and health and dietary advice accessible uh, to more Australians Uh, and the second was um, the opportunity to start co-hosting the ABC TV show Ask the Doctor which eventually found its way on Netflix in more than 130 countries around the world and those two um, there were a lot of work and a lot of fun but they had a you know really great impact and and I was I was really incredibly fortunate to be able to be uh, involved in those two activities with a range of incredible partners. But as a result of those, I did, I did manage to um, also make a small amount of income. At the time, I made the decision that I was living overseas, uh, focused really on global health challenges. But at my heart, I mean, I, I love Australia. I, I, I'm deeply passionate about the health of Australians. And I wanted to use the money that I knew was coming from Australians Uh, from these two projects to support young Australians and particularly the health and nutrition of young Australians. So I decided rather than um, keeping the money myself, I would uh, establish a small not-for-profit foundation based in Melbourne and then we would do uh, a range of creative things trying to uh, increase awareness, access, affordability of uh, fresh, healthy food and sustainable diets uh, and and food systems uh, for young Australians. And, And that's where
0: SDF was born fantastic and um, uh Another initiative, I suppose, of of the foundation in partnership with FedSquare was the birth of the Little Food Festival, which we launched last year. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be as well.
1: Yeah, look, and and I have to say, FedSquare has been an amazing partner uh, for us for a number of years. And and Susie, you in particular, have been um, such a star and and really have made so many of the big projects that uh, I've been fortunate enough to lead. You've made them possible, uh, even with Former hats on, um, so thank you very much for your support uh, over many years.
0: Always been a pleasure.
1: But um, yeah, look, little food festival. I think it's such a fantastic idea. It actually came out of the SDF team, um, Natalie and and others in the team. That, you know, we were we were looking at ways to connect young people uh, with food and food systems, get them inspired uh, through you know interactive, science based, you know, immersive uh, methods. You know, we we could see that there were food festivals all around Australia for different age groups, uh, but nothing for kids, nothing for r- those really early years where it's so important to lay down the foundations of good health and um, food literacy. And so, together with the great people at Monash and Dina and, and the incredible team in the education part of Monash University, uh, and of course the you know quintessentially Melbourne iconic Fed Square, uh, we we're able to launch this free public festival for, for young people, a celebration of food and community with a strong focus on you know participatory methods getting involved, getting stuck in getting your hands dirty and, and enjoying uh, the process of understanding and engaging with food and our food system focused on those really early uh, primary school years and we had we had a huge crowd last year. Uh, I think we had almost a thousand uh, young people and their families come through uh, every day in our first year yeah and it's become a staple part of the SDF. Uh, Fed Square and, and Monash calendar. And this year we've been fortunate enough actually to bring on the city of Melbourne as well?
0: From our perspective, it, it absolutely has become a staple and, and an anchor for our program. And at the time, um, we feel a very strong commitment to bringing innovation and education in particular to the community. And we felt that we really had a gap in the in the, that target audience of the younger Australians that are really learning about food and, and their community. We particularly love the fact that the festival, um, the pillars is the underlying, the festival, community, environment and 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 health. So can you maybe you, you take us a little bit more through those three pillars of community, environment and health and why they're so important in an event like this?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think when we think about intergenerational equity, when we think about the world that young people uh, living in 2020 will inherit when they're our age, Susie, um, you know, there aren't going to be bigger issues uh, for, for them to overcome, uh, you know, that we need to start. Making inroads on then um, the health of our natural environment, the health of our young people, of our uh, of our communities, and the health of community itself. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it, it's it's always the the three pillar. You know, it's the it's the uh, they're the foundations of of a healthy society. And I think they're the they're the foundations of the types of conversations that we we feel are really important to be having as a society. Young people are so creative. You know, the, last year when we had had them come along, I mean, the ideas that they come up with, using Minecraft to reimagine what our cities look like or, you know, the, the art-based activities where they, they made the most beautiful and creative visions for the future of, of um, food and of community, uh, working together, all these young people who, you know, three, four, five, six-year-olds who, who'd never met each other before before the day started, but were kind of all working together on solving um, challenges and coming up with really incredible uh, ideas uh, throughout the day. Uh, planting, uh, cooking, um, collaborating. So you know, I think food is such a powerful medium. It, it's it's a very positive thing for many of us. It has, it, it, but it's also something you know. Access to affordable, healthy food is certainly not shared by everyone across. Uh, Victoria and across Australia, so the opportunity to really engage young people in those uh, critical discussions and get them thinking, get their get their ideas and 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 their voices embedded in what the future looks like, the future they will inherit. Um, but using something fun and 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 engaging and tactile like food, we just think it's a it's a magic recipe.
0: And you touched on a really good point, where you, you know you talk about creativity, and for young people, creativity comes so natural, and it's such a beautiful thing. So it makes me think, as a community, what role do you think creativity can play, especially for good health?
1: Oh, I think it's a it's hugely important, and 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 we see it uh, even now during coronavirus. I think the the power of the arts community, the power of the creative arts community. Uh, we see it in, in, uh, you know, all of the ways that we're communicating how to stay safe. We're reinforcing the messages. It's all through creative media, even through comedians or through uh, artists or through uh, the creativity of diverse communities and really leaning into and embracing, you know, the the different ways of communicating. All of those elements have been critical to getting the message out throughout coronavirus and i think it's also a very democratizing uh approach to engaging in very um what what can potentially be very overwhelming and even frightening conversations around you know the the health challenges facing australia the environmental challenges facing australia in the world uh the 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 lack of trust um the disintegration of trust and connection in societies and and between major parts of society you know they they're, they're They're really really tough conversations for young people to be be talking about. But if you can do it through a creative lens, which I think is, again, the strength of Dina and the Monash team, you know, they found the most beautiful and engaging and creative ways to explore these big uh, systems-based challenges, but in a way that was empowering, that was inclusive, and that really unlocked the, the creativity of young people. And, again, I come back to you know one one example in my mind is is the minecraft example of where you know they were they were actually using this um you know this world building video game to get young people to kind of redesign our cities and redesign them for health sustainability and community and and you unleash this in- incredible creativity in young people this vision that they have um that that is unfiltered by you know, uh, maybe the decades of, of experiences that you and I have had, um, and and they come up with the most the most amazing and uh, relevant and and you know important solutions and visions
0: more than ever that creativity is needed you know we brought the elephant in the room which is um, coronavirus last year we had this beautiful festival um, a, in a physical environment where people connected you know they made friends they um, you know they had that tactile experience so this is a bit different you know thanks to to all our partnerships we we still continue in the festival which is so important not to not to lose that space but we we bring in the creativity because we are delivering a little bit of a different way this year um so so what do you think we can now expect from the little food festival being uh, in a virtual platform
1: yeah so little food festival will be completely online this year which you know it it has become uh, i think pivots the word of 2020 and uh we've had to obviously adapt and change the festival and um, you know Jesse and your team and and Lauren and um, Dina and, and a whole host of partners have really um, I think they they we all understand that the little food festival is more important than ever in fact in 2020 uh, the the idea of bringing young people young minds uh, you know individuals and adults uh, young, young people and adults uh, together to you um, You know, to really celebrate and connect and create community and think about our future and um, give them ownership and you know in a very positive and empowering way, um, have have difficult but important conversations led by a generation that will that will be those at the helm uh, when when some of these challenges you know are are at their peak. I, I think you know no one would argue. With, with the idea that the Little Food Festival is more important in 2020 than, than it's probably ever going to be or ever has been. Um, and so, you know, we, we made the decision to take it online. What Federation Square offers, which is, you know, it's quintessential community. It is, it is the icon of community and connection and um, a sort of soul and centre for Melbourne. And so, you know, we would love to obviously have it there physically, but in, you know to be able to ha- house it on the Fed Square website, um, to have still that community, but in a digital form. To have forums where young people can come and participate in activities across the day. Uh, to have you know video content that will be going out every week um, for a few weeks before, and then a load of digital content on the day. You know I think in some ways it's it's even a strengthening of the idea because you know young people from uh, regional Victoria. Some people from even further afield than Victoria itself will be able to participate fully this year. Um, it's you know, and and I think we, this is a this is a vision and a commitment that's not just SDF, the City of Melbourne, Fed Square, and Monash. I mean, we we've had um, an amazing host of partners come out and say, yeah, we we'll, we really want to be involved again. We're going to help. You know, Alice of Lasky cooking, Stephanie Alexander reading, uh, Costa getting into the garden. Um, well, I won't I won't spoil it for the kids, but he is going to he might be appearing in a in a persona that's very popular with kids. You know, we, we've got we've got people cooking, people um, you know Becky Orpen running craft activities. So you know, an an all star incredible group of people who are donating their time um, to contribute content and to really make this still about. Fundamentally, what you know, what it, what it, Little Food Festival is about, which is you know building community and focusing on uh, those three pillars: community health and sustainability, and engaging young people, getting them really excited uh, and and connected and empowered. Um, and that will that will happen this time online. But I'm I'm really excited by actually the opportunity to. To deliver it online and then maybe in future years who knows it might be a hybrid it might be you know an op- it might be an opportunity to continue to deliver elements online after the day uh, for you know for those people who can't make it in person um, or who just want to continue to enjoy the activities for months uh, after the event.
0: yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think the one of the gift that the pandemic has brought is their ability to bring what you said, that soul, that connection, that participation, um, to a different model that enables the message to to reach far and beyond. Um, you know, it's beautiful that we can do what we did but also now have um, a greater community, uh, a virtual community join us and, and also benefit from the message. So as we recover, I do truly hope that we can, we can keep as a hybrid. We are particularly doing a lot of work um, on the virtual square um, so that we can do that. That, you know, we've always talked about being in a um, in a globally recognized um, a destination. Um, so, you know, the, the virtual square Square will enable us to, to tell that message um, to maybe people that never even thought of the possibility to travelling to Australia and and benefiting from messages that we bring from our communities and what we what you mentioned is is quintessential Melbourne so that future definitely um, excites me but Sandra you 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 know you, there is one of your many hats uh, you are obviously um, got a really important hat of being the CEO of Vic Health and. And uh, I can only imagine that you've had a a very big list already of of key important messages that you wanted to work um, to to deliver to the community. How do you now fit a pandemic amongst uh, the very important list already?
1: Well, look, I mean, certainly it's a huge uh, it's a huge privilege to be the CEO of uh, Vic Health, Victoria's prevention agency, and uh, it's my main hat, it's my, it's my focus. And yeah, certainly, you know, the, the pandemic has changed every way of working for Vic Health as it has for most organisations. Um, obviously, all of our staff have been at home since March. Uh, we've been delivering the organisation completely virtually. Uh, I'm uh, in fact broadcasting uh, this very interview from my bedroom. And it's also it's also seen a, a, a shift in, in the work that we're doing and focusing on and delivering. And, and in fact, I think one of the um, outcomes of COVID-19 has really been uh, that Vic health has had to go back to its core or, or had to continue, with a very strong focus on on innovation and uh, agility, we've had to move quite quickly and change as the needs of Victorians have changed, as the coronavirus has continued to um, develop and uh, and and really pose significant health challenges for Victorians. But we have then actually used that to to focus. Uh, a major grant round, which will open uh, in about three weeks' time in mid September, which will be one of our largest grant rounds um, in in the history of the organization uh, and it will focus on the things that we 're seeing from the surveys that we cre- that we 've conducted from what Victorians are telling us they need help with right now, uh, and it will have a focus on um, you know, immediate action on where our partners and where the people we, where the organisations and sporting organisations and community arts organisations and research partners and public health organisations, where, where they can respond, local governments, where they can all respond now to uh, the needs that we see. And so, you know, some of those things we see, uh, obviously a huge increase in social isolation, which we worry for the mental health, the long-term mental health, particularly of young women, but also uh, all ages. We've seen some significant increases in food insecurity, and this really comes back to you know why uh, I personally have always had a very strong focus on food and nutrition, not only because it's a leading risk factor for uh, disease here in Australia, and not only because one in seven Victorians um, are food insecure even without COVID, uh, but we've seen We've seen a very big spike um, across this year. Early 2020, we had an increase in food prices because of the drought and then bushfires. Then we had panic buying, uh, and then we've had um, coronavirus affecting our food system in different ways. And so the result of that is that we saw uh, one in four single-parent households, even back in April at the start of the pandemic lockdown, one in four single-parent households uh, not being able to afford to put food uh, on the table. Uh, and families going without food. And we've seen one in four Victorian households in general, one in four total across the, across the state resorting to unhealthy foods because they can't afford fresh, healthy foods um, because of the because of the economic toll that coronavirus is taking. So I'm very concerned about that. We are as an organization that will be a big focus of our grant round uh, coming up, and we've also funded, uh, a few uh, really great community organizations uh, trying to increase affordable access to fresh healthy food um, across victoria including the community grocer which is a social enterprise and then the third area is obviously we are worried about young people uh, not being able to keep keep active across this period um, you know for those of us in stage four restrictions in Melbourne we, we're only leaving the house for one hour a day it's going to have a toll on young people even just in um, their confidence to leave the house, their confidence to to go out and and to you know ride their bike or go for a run or take a walk or kick kick the footy in the local park, and so we really want to support a lot of the sporting community, sporting clubs, associations across Victoria who are doing it incredibly tough, who can't run sport at the moment. How how can we support them to support Victorians to get active and stay active in a, in a restricted environment as we start to come out of coronavirus restrictions. And so they're the three big areas that we saw across the uh, across the research that we ran that will form the basis of our coming grant round. We'll also be focusing very strongly on young people as the key beneficiaries of that grant round, although understanding that you know if we can deliver strong benefits for young people, we're probably going to deliver strong benefits across all of society. And then there are other areas, like we've seen, you know, changes in alcohol drinking behaviours and some changes in tobacco use as well that we are concerned about, and we'll we'll be responding. We are continuing to respond to, you know, for Vic Health, it's not only changed uh, how we work, but it's certainly um, seen us reprioritise uh, what we're working on to ensure that what we're delivering is going to bring the greatest value and the greatest health. Um, support for Victorians right now.
0: Yeah, that's um, certainly some sobering data that you now um, are able to access and, and, and hopefully prioritise in those critical areas. I suppose um, during lockdown, we've also seen a lot more awareness campaigns coming out around domestic violence. And you've spoken on this topic as part of a series exploring masculinity and health. What are your thoughts and, and perhaps some of the actions that you're seeing coming out of that?
1: Yeah, well, certainly it's a huge it's a huge concern for us. You know, we we have very strong partnerships in this space, and uh, the concern around increases in domestic violence, um, with with people not being able to leave home, being at home with partners, and and um, and you know the breakdown in in social connection and supports, but also obviously the increased uh, pressure and stress on families at the moment. Ah, uh, the increases in alcohol consumption in certain populations. The, these combined factors really do concern us. Uh, we're We're happy to see that the uh, state and federal governments have increased support of um the uh, domestic violence support lines, and we can provide those as a link with the podcast uh, when it's when it comes out, because I think really, you know the most important thing is that that we we're continue we're continuing to speak about the issue. That it's um, embedded in the recovery strategy, and that we are, you know, making sure that the capacity is there in the services to be able to uh, respond. And then in the long term, you know, certainly one of the areas that we've been focused on as an organisation is uh, really dismantling um, unhealthy uh, gender stereotypes, uh, which we know continue to fuel part of part of the domestic violence. Uh, that we we you know that we still have and need to uh, continue to address uh, here in in victoria and across australia but you know we're we're one of many organizations doing you know important work in this space and and um you know we'll, we'll continue to work with government to make sure that it's uh that it's a key focus
0: I suppose there's been a lot of shifting, a lot of our habits during this time of COVID-19. And, and you know, it makes me wonder what impact it, it has on our sustainability goals. A lot of our needs are taking place and, you know, you, you see the increase of deliveries and packages. How do you think COVID-19 has or will continue to impact our overall sustainability goals? And how can, can we remain, uh, keep that front of mind for people during those times?
1: Yeah, well, looked for ease of conversation. I think if we focus on you know environmental sustainability and particularly climate change, you know, I, I think you know there, there are the issues of, of of packaging and plastics, and we we can't we can't get around the fact that um you know the there, there is going to be a lot of waste created during a pandemic uh, to protect populations, and that that is absolutely the right thing to do, and we just need to manage that um, in a way that's responsible, but. I think you know what we really need to be cognizant of is that COVID nineteen has really presented us, I think, with with one last uh, opportunity to really um, step up as a global community and address uh, climate change. You know, I think this is a once in a century pandemic, and what it's provided is a shock to our our way of living and and caused us to have a, a huge rethink. Uh, break a lot of the habits that we had, good and bad. Uh, and there's an opportunity now to build back, you know, in a way that is not only better but more sustainable. Yes, we've seen a, a dip in, you know, air travel and and roads aren't aren't as, as filled with cars, etc., but that will all bounce back, you know, unless things are actually changed, you know, and 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 put in place to really take us on a different path as a global humanity. So I think there's a, a huge opportunity, um, but you know when when government is when federal government is talking about a gas fueled uh, recovery, I start to get very worried. I think that we have an opportunity really to be thinking about okay, well how how can we now take a different path as a, as an Australian community? How can we lead the world on the climate front? How can we use our natural resources? You know, sun, sun, wind, tidal. Uh, All of the different technologies that are available and and soon will be available, how can we be a leader in this space, Uh, a net exporter of energy because of it? Um, How can we reorient our our economy uh, to be an economy dominated by and and leading in renewables in a future that is going to have to be less and less carbon intensive? Unless we really have those conversations and forge a, a new path, use the opportunity this once in a lifetime opportunity to actually take a different path as a as a society, a more sustainable path. You know, then then I worry that in fact this whole uh, pandemic could in could just accelerate, um, you know, ecological uh, catastrophe. You know, and and I think in a way also there's a there's a you know there's a kind of a cheeky meme, um, and I don't I don't speak about this lightly because I think the message behind it is is profoundly concerning and so of the moment as well. But there's this meme of the, you know, the kind of three or four waves and, and, you know, you've got the wave of, of the challenges that we were facing as a, as a society back at the start of the year, and then you've got COVID, but then you've got this, you know, massive and much greater wave behind it, which is climate change and sort of scale uh, of the threat posed by climate change and the, enormous global unified response that is going to be required to safeguard humanity is going to is going to be on a scale that dwarfs uh, even coronavirus so i think there's an opportunity here to you know really reflect you know life, life is kind of paused in a way and so there's an opportunity to reflect about the path forward set a better path that is going to get us to a place where our children and our children's children will be safe and and live on a on a planet that's sustainable and and more equitable and also learn from the things we haven't done as well as we could across coronavirus so that so that when the next big challenge comes as a global community we're ready and and we don't make the same mistakes again.
0: That's incredible, isn't it? If you think about how vulnerable we we, we are to coronavirus and to think of a, a much bigger wave behind, I think that's uh, that certainly requires reflection and requires the creativity that we've talked about at the beginning of this conversation. This is the time to rethink the way um, that we do things. And perhaps as we wrap up this delightful conversation, we'd love to hear, um, and I'm sure everybody here Hearing, um, this podcast would love to hear maybe some of your personal tips about how you keep in healthy and sane during this time, and and how everybody else can.
1: Yeah, love to look. The most important thing across this period is uh, a loss of a sense of control that we have over our lives. Uh, that that's what is when I speak to colleagues, when I speak to friends, family. That that's that's the biggest theme, and and I think you know, one thing that's really important is to create a regular routine. So, while while we're not at work um, and we spend most of our 23 hours of our, our day uh, at home, creating a regular routine across the day so that you've got some physical activity, you've got an hour of, of walking in the sun or you've got a run in the morning as I do first thing or uh, what, whatever that physical activity is, you've got three square meals and you put aside some time, you put the phone and the laptop and the emails away and and really be present to what you're cooking and what you're eating. Maybe take the time to cook in the evening and, and, and try different recipes as, as I know a lot of, a lot of Victorians are doing during lockdown that you also embed in that, in that routine um, social connection, you know, still, still pick up the phone to, to your friend and have the coffee date that you usually have, but have it on Skype, have a dinner party with a couple of mates, but, but do it, do it on Zoom or do it on on FaceTime. Um, stay connected to your family. Have a phone call with with your friends from around the world. You know, making sure that you're building in those those elements of social connection and staying connected. Particularly um, if you live on your own or if you have friends or family who live on their own. You know, look out for each other and and reach out and see if you can help each other. But as well, stay connected. And look, I, I couldn't I couldn't finish my tips without talking about food, and so you know, farmers and local grocery stores are doing it really tough at the moment across Victoria. So, you know, why not, if you have a little bit of extra time uh, at the moment in lockdown, you know, buy some fruit and veg from your local grocery store, try cooking something new, try some recipes you haven't tried before, take the opportunity to spend a bit more time in the kitchen and, and learn some things that are going to not only ensure that you're as healthy as you can be now, and and uh, maybe see you reconnect with food in a way that you don't usually have time for. Uh, but it's also going to set up some really healthy habits for when life does resume and we get back to our busy, busy former selves. So, you know, I've been getting a veggie box delivered from a social enterprise each week. I love it because sometimes there are veggies in there I've never seen before and I get to experiment, you know, cooking up some really great, whether it's a minestrone or whether it's some Mexican chili or you know whether it's a, bol- a lentil bolognese or, or, or whatever it is, it's a great you know it's something that's um, that's uh, meditative. It it allows you to kind of slow down. Uh, of course, you get to share it with everyone, and then if you pop a few in the freezer, you've got you've got something banked for a rainy day as well. So um, yeah, but the most important thing is just create create yourself a, a good strong regular routine so that there's some consistency and a sense of control in your life.
0: Well, thank you for that. I've got to say, I have taken your book out of the shelves and I've been doing the Danish cabbage and some of the go-to frittata. Um, I am really enjoying the cooking um, and, and experimenting with different Fresh and um, and veggies that are seasonal. So that is definitely a, a fantastic tip. and And thank you, thank you for your insights. Thank you for broadening our horizons with this talk. I've, I'm a huge admirer of your work, and and really, really grateful that you um had the time to have this chat with us. So thank you,
1: thank you so much, and also a, a really big thank you to to Fed Square for, for making Little Food Festival possible. And and thank you for your unwavering leadership and and, and also support over many years. So it's a pleasure to have this chat today and and look forward to reconnecting again soon.
0: The Little Food Festival is going virtual this year on Wednesday, 30th of September. For more information about Sustainable September, please go to our website at fedsquare.com. New episodes of the Anything But Square podcast are released every Wednesday and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.